Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack, now 94 WIP. We're endeavoring to get in touch with Hugh Douglas. Uh, it's one of those things where the call goes to voicemail. So when we get him, we will put him on. But uh, in the meanwhile, we'll talk to Jack in Roxborough. Hey, Jack, how are you? Good morning, guys. Everything's fantastic here. Good. Uh, I just, I'm totally stunned and amazed. I'm watching. I'm walking on uh, clouds over here with my birds. As the whole off season, the draft. I'm reading about all these moves we're making, and and everybody's saying, "Wow, the Eagles are really putting something together." Last night, I got to see it. I saw my quarterback, my offense go out there, opening drive prepared, adrenalized, six for six, 80 yards, touchdown. It's like, I, I just, I loved it. I saw my defense out there running a 5-2 a and a 4-3, and we got linebackers flying to the ball and stuff. Everything seems like it's going exactly the way it's supposed to. We lose Kelsey. Huge, huge, except we got Cam in there. And he's sitting there, and he's barking out the the, the – the protection lines and everything, and then going out there, getting to the second tier, knocking guys down, and then jumping on top of them so they're not going anywhere. It just seems like for the first time in a couple years, they're just they're prepared. There's depth. There's talent. I just I can't wait till the season starts. I I, I just want to do away with preseason. Let's go play some ball. I support you fully in doing away with the preseason, Jack. <laughs> that would be that would be fine with me. Um, and you know, it's interesting because having been around the team for you know three or four practices so far in camp, you do get the sense that they know they're pretty good. Um, and one of the things that's been kind of um, reassuring about the team is the way that the veterans on it have spoken about their potential to be good. You hear guys like Brandon Graham and Jason Kelsey say all the right things about, hey, look, it doesn't mean anything now. It, look, it looks like we're shaping up to be pretty good. We're, we're excited about the depth and the young guys, but let's not put the cart before the horse. Um, and that's what you want to hear at this stage of the season. Well, I think it's huge having Graham back. I Just as the leader aspect, never mind the talent and the experience, just as a leader, getting him over there, uh, I just—I lost my train of thought. <laughs> That's okay. That's all right. You—you you made some good points. Absolutely agree with you. And yeah, it's nice having Brandon Graham back. For, it is. You know, 
maybe his last season? Uh, he he says he wants to play beyond this season. Okay. Um, we'll see. And I think they'll keep him around as long as it's possible to keep him around. Yeah. Well, guys like him and Kelsey are the guys who are, who are you know, ties to to that Super Bowl, and you love it because when you are the Eagles, when you are a sports franchise, you want to keep ties to that. By the way, it is time for this week in Philadelphia Sports History, brought to you by Scheib Vintage Sports, where there's a story in every stitch. Check out their throwback apparel at their Center City location or ScheibSports.com. Hey, let's hear a great highlight from one of my favorite Eagles. King drops the throw. And is hit just as he let the ball go, or did he let it go? This might be the Eagles' ball. I think it is. I'll tell you, Hugh Douglas came from that backside and really unloaded on Sean King. You know, Hugh Douglas, if I were you, I would have John Madden talking about my greatness as my, like, cell phone ring for the rest of my life. (laughs) Good morning, Glenn. Good morning, Philadelphia. What's going on, How are you? Hugh, uh, I'm here with Mike Sealski, and let me just start with congratulations. When I heard Jeff Lurie at halftime saying that Trent Cole and Hugh Douglas are going into the Eagles Hall of Fame, I thought, what great news for my old friend. When and how did you find out, Hugh, that you're going to be honored? You know, it's funny. Uh, Jeff Lurie called me like a week ago, and he stressed that, you know, he wanted to keep it under wraps. So I didn't say anything because the last time I heard something like this, I prematurely said something about it, and I kind of blew the celebration for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to make sure I didn't say anything. So I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything to anybody. I told my boss. I told my boss, Mike Conti here, uh-huh. that, that, that that was going on, and that was about the only person that I told because I didn't want it to leak. Because I knew, you know how when you get a phone call and you just know they really want to keep this under wraps? Sure. Mm. I didn't want to be that guy because I had been that guy before. I didn't want to be that guy this time. Well, you've always been a chatterbox. It's one of the, it's actually one of the fun <laughs> things about you. Basically, that's why that's why I don't get invited to golf tournaments, golf outings, anything like that. I talk too much. So I, I made sure <laughs> this time I didn't say anything. Hugh, I think people here remember you first and foremost as a terrific pass rusher and, and before i get into this congratulations um Thanks. but i'm looking at your numbers from your career with the eagles and one of the things that jumps right out to me is that in the 2000 season you had 15 sacks but you also led the nfl in tackles for a loss with 21 and then two years later in 2002 you had 12 and a half sacks but again led the nfl in tackles for a loss with 20 how important was it to you to be able to play every aspect of your position did that really matter to you no it didn't to be totally honest you know when it started to matter and, and i tell this story all the time jeremiah trotter was the guy who who really got me to like to like hone in and, and play the run better because i remember being in the huddle one time and, and tried telling me yo man uh, you know, you got to play the run better. And I was like, I said, F you, Trot, that's your job. <laughs> I was like, that's your job. I said, my job is to get sacks. I said, that's what I'm here to do. And Trot, I remember we were, I forgot who we were playing. He'll probably remember. But he said, listen, man, I need you to play the run. He said, how about this? He said, if, if I tell you when it's a run play, he said, when it's definite pass, I'll let you go. He said, but come on, man, because you, 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 you break it down in integrity defense. And he was right. He was right. I was playing as an individual. So when he told me that, I said, okay, bet. So then that's when we were all on the same page. You know, Trot back there, you know, he could see what everything was going on. 
And he would tell me, man, and it just made it easier to play because you kind of knew. He watched so much film that he knew, you know, formations and everything. So he was the guy that really, really got me to lock in and, and play a lot better those years that I was playing. Hugh Douglas is our guest. Hugh and Trent Cole are going to be uh, put into the Eagles Hall of Fame. Uh, it was November 27th, I believe yes. it is. Um, Hugh, I want to talk about the first time I ever saw you play, which is when you were with the Jets. Jody McDonald and I arranged a bus trip to go up to watch the Eagles play the Jets on a rainy, miserable Saturday. And what I remember, but I think it was your second season, 96, and uh-huh. you went up against Jermaine Mayberry, Mayberry, excuse me, who was the Eagles' first round draft pick the year before. You had three sacks that game. You recovered a fumble. Eagles won late, but we're all watching you dominate that game. Uh, I don't know what question to ask you out of that, except what you remember and what it was like to play on those Jets team. Because man, they lost a lot of games. They lost a lot of games, but I remember that game in particular because that was the game where Ty Detmer was the quarterback in. And you needed that. I remember that because the Eagles needed that game to make it to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. They were they were uh, they were on a they were on a little bit of a slide. And I remember we were having a rough season. I think we were well, my second year. We were like one in we we went like one in fifteen. So we had only won one game. I think that was it. So I remember Ty Detmer saying something to the effect that if we lose to the Eagles, we got to be stupid or something like that. Because basically saying we were sorry. We were sorry. If you lose to the Jets, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, excuse me. Yeah, if you lose to the Jets, we were sorry. No question about that. But I, that stuck in my head. And I remember a reporter asking me about that game and, and how did I feel. And I said, well, you know, I'm going to do everything in my power to try to hurt him. Not knowing that NFL was listening. <laughs> <laughs> if you do anything to Ty Debra, you're going to get fined, yada, yada, yada. So, you know, I was, I was really trying – I was on a mission to try to spoil – the Eagles' playoffs hopes that year. That that's what I was on. That's what I was trying to do within the realm of the game. Yeah, you got close. That's what I remember you about close. that. Hugh, early in your career, Glenn Glenn mentioned it. You you lost. You were on teams that lost a lot. Your rookie year with the Jets, the team goes three and thirteen. Second year, they go one and fifteen. Then Parcells comes in. You have a winning season, nine and seven. And then you end up getting traded to the Eagles. And your first season with the Eagles is Ray Rhodes last year as head coach. And that team goes three and thirteen. So f- through the first four years of your career, the teams you're on win sixteen games and lose fifty-two. How did you deal with that? How did you get through that to the point where you could continue playing as well and as hard as you did? You know, the, the first couple of years in New York, it was rough because it was just me. It, it was me up there, and it was just you know the transition from being from a small town going to New York was, was pretty tough. And then coming to the Philadelphia Eagles, that was even tougher because there was high expectations. That was the year. Bobby Hoyne was coming off a pretty good season with John Gruden. I remember that vividly. And, and there was high hopes for the Philadelphia Eagles. But I, the thing that I remember about Philadelphia the most, the most is coming through the airport the first time I visited and everybody telling me how that, you got to beat Dallas. <laughs> I just remember that man, and, and I'm I'm walking through the airport. I'm coming from New York. You got to understand, I'm coming from a from a big city where nobody knew who I was for the most part. Like nobody knew who I was. Yeah. So coming to coming to Philadelphia, walking through that airport, and having people knowing who I was, not only knew who I was, but knew where I used to play and how important it was to beat Dallas, and and, and reiterating that to me. That was something that was different, man. That that was a feeling 
that as, as a professional athlete that I cannot describe. And I try to tell people that. And, and it's, it's like it's hard to put in the words, but the passion that the Eagles fans had, even though we were bad, they still came to games. They still yelled and cheered, even though we went 3-13, like we had a shot to win. That was That's what it was, man, because they never gave up. They, yeah. they never gave up. They were always with us. Now, the flip side of that is this. When you were bad, you were told you were bad. Oh, yeah. Like you, Ooh, there, yeah. Was, there was no sugarcoating that, because I remember a couple times being out in the city that year, and people asked me, hey, man, don't you need to be somewhere practicing? You guys stink. Like, for real. <laughs> Like and I remember that that that's what it was, man. It was that passion. It was that passion of the fans that that drove me. You know, because you didn't want to be you didn't want to be that guy that is remembered in Philadelphia for not being that guy. Well, for being that guy that was like that was hard. Listen, like the like the coin the phrase where where even the millennials can understand. I don't want to be Ben Simmons, man. I didn't want to be Ben. Simmons. <laughs> I didn't want to be that. I didn't want to be that. I didn't want to be. I didn't want to be known as a Ben Simmons type dude. You know what I mean? And it's unfortunate that, you know. I mean, you know, Ben Simmons. I, I guess he's a good guy, but not in Philadelphia. Not, not so much. much. Not yeah. in not in not Brooklyn so either. In so yeah. Hugh. So Hugh. <laughs> Uh, and then things change, and then things get great. And the defense has guys like you and Trot and Hollis and uh, Troy Vincent and Bob Taylor and Brian Dawkins, and the guy running the, the whole thing on defense is Jim Johnson. What what impact did he have on you? What was he like to play for? You know what, Jim Johnson was a guy too, man. Jim, Jim, I, what I remember about Jim was that Jim's ability to put his players are success, in position to be successful. That's what I remember. Jim, Jim, Jim had a defense that he liked to run, but he also understood that, you know, everybody was an in, like everybody had their own way of, of learning things and everybody had their own way of doing things. And I, so much so that I remember one time, uh, Jim Johnson was installing his defense. And mm-hmm. for whatever reason, I kept, Screwing the defense up because I kept going, I kept coming underneath the tackle and going inside. I was making the play, but that wasn't the way that Jim Johnson designed the defense. And I remember, I remember being in a meeting one day, and he said, "Okay, off of this defense, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do something different. We're gonna call it the wing stunt. We're gonna call it, you know, we're gonna call it the wing stunt." He didn't say it was because I kept going underneath the tackle. He just said, you know, we, we found like we've had a little bit of success running this place, so we're going to start running the wing stunt. And I remember um, Brandon Brandon Whiting said, yeah, because you keep screwing up the defense, he's not running it right, so we had to change it a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but it works. It works. So it, that was one of the things I remember. Jim, Jim was a hell of a man, though. He really, really was. Hugh, looking back, um, what do you make now in retrospect of your decision to sign with Jacksonville um, before the 2003 season. Oh man, listen, uh, it was one of those decisions. It was it was um, driven by money, no question about that. And and you know what? To be honest, it's hard to say. You know, I know how I would like it to play out, how I would have liked it to play out. But you know, I'm still a young kid at the time. Just had a son. That was a financial decision for me that I made for me and my family. I can't honest as, as bad as it went down there. I can't honestly say that I probably wouldn't have done the same thing under the circumstance. Mm-hmm. I really can't. I mean, that, that's just being totally honest because of the timing of everything. Now, like looking back at it now, 
does money mean as much to me as it did back then? Probably not as much, but back then it, it really, really did. It was it was a serious motivator for the decision that I made. But when you talk about what the city of Philadelphia has given me, you know, when I retired, I lived there for ten years, and and just the the the, the passion of the fans, you know, I love I love it there. I love it there. But but to make that financial decision, I, I don't know, man. I probably still make it. I probably feel I, I, hey, listen, I, I appreciate that. Somebody hands me that money. I'm, I'm taking it. Uh, let me wrap up with this because you're now doing radio down in Atlanta. Very successful. Uh, and you, you, you broke in here. Um, you work with Angelo in the mornings. You did. I was telling people I loved doing the pregame shows with you. I, it always, it always was great. And, um, your shows with Rob Cherry, man, you guys had such great chemistry. I mean, I don't know what my question is, but I loved you as a radio personality here, and I know you've stayed in the media, and and um, you're really good at. Yeah, listen. Do you know? Do you know what I remember about my my friend Angry Bob Cherry? Like that was you talk about the absolute best radio partner to have. Because me and Rob would do shows at, at Phillies games, and Rob would show up and say, "Hey, man, what you want to talk about?" Like five minutes before the show started. <laughs> And we would do, and you know, like, you know, like, since I've learned my radio jargon now, you know, back then, we didn't have, like, on the weekend, we didn't have long breaks. Yep. And we were, we were doing five-hour shows. Yes, you were. Like, so, so can you imagine, so, Glenn, you can appreciate this, probably not anybody else can, but to do a five-hour show and not have a template or a game plan for wow. five hours and still be entertaining. Yeah, Rob could do that. that was, you could do that. Like, that. That was that was Rob Cherry in a nutshell. Yep. To do a five hour show and not even have a show sheet. Like here, you know, it's the, you know, now you get show sheets, you do show plan, show prep and all that stuff. No, me and Rob Cherry used to do show like, hey man, what you got? Let's okay, let's go. Well, you <laughs> worked with Angelo and a- Angelo's the flip side of that, right? Yes. Figures it, it, out it, every listen, segment. Man, listen. Like to to and that's what I tell people all the time, man. I'm like, I cut my teeth in radio, in probably the best city in the world. And and it's it's one of those things where I, I don't take it lightly. And and the things that I've learned being in Philadelphia, being on the air, I mean, man, those are those don't, some of those lessons are something that I take with me even today. Like, you know, to work with Rob Cherry and just being able to be off the cuff like that, that was that's huge. And to be Angelo knowing that he gets up extra early in the morning and have every bit of his day plotted out so that he knows exactly where he wants to go. And not only that, Glenn, you know he he's a stickler for that time now. Oh, you know? yeah. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, you know he's a stickler for that time. So, yeah, I mean, man, just just it's, it's everything, everything about Philadelphia, man. And that's why when I got the news, I was just like, wow, that's, All right. that's a big deal. That's a really big deal. I got one more story to tell, and I've never told this story. I don't even know if you remember this, but I, I, you, uh, you and I always had a pretty good relationship. There was one time where Hugh and I had an argument, right? Ooh. Yes, and we were, we were in the auxiliary studio, and Hugh was done with the argument, so he got up to leave. And I, like an idiot, was not done with the argument, <laughs> and so I stood up, and I was between Hugh Douglas and the door. And Hugh, I don't even know if you remember this. Oh, my God. And Hugh, Hugh who could throw an offensive tackle 20 yards, looked at me and said, Glenn, get out of my way. <laughs> and I want to thank you, Hugh, for not throwing me for, for through taking the wall pity on you. Yes. when the no. opportunity was there. 
No, Glenn, you know what, man? It, it, it's one of those things where I, 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 I respected you, and I still respect you. And it was never as, as upset as you probably were at me. I was not that upset with you. Well, I appreciate because that. Because there's been, there's been, listen, I still get cussed out by Rhea Hughes. Rhea Hughes, <laughs> like, ask for the story. The last time I was there, we're not going to get into detail, but Rhea Hughes, Gave me a few choice words. I was like, oh, my God. Like, like, and Angelo has definitely cussed me out. Oh, yeah. Oh, all of us. No, but it's, it's one of those things where it's like you receive it because you're learning from, from, from radio icons. And, every, and I knew that where you were coming from, it wasn't from a place of hatred or anything like that. So it was not a big deal. It was, it was more, for me, a learning experience, just like it is with Rhea. If Rhea, if Rhea calls me... And the first words that she used are colorful cuss words. <laughs> somewhere I screwed up. That's how real. Well, you, somewhere, somewhere I screwed up. You, you are not. You, you rarely screwed up on the radio. You almost never screwed up on the field. Uh, you are an icon uh, in this town, and having you, congratulations on the Hall of Fame. And I look forward to seeing you with the, because they will bring you to the pregame show on November twenty seventh, and we get to do it one more time, man. Yes, we do. Indeed. Thanks a lot, man. Appreciate you. All right. Congratulations. You. We'll talk Thanks to you again. You. I love that guy. You know, I'm just He's so good. I'm very appreciative of this opportunity that you've given me to be your partner, and I'm very appreciative that Hugh did not grind you into a fine powder oh, long gosh. ago it was, so that we could do this show together. I don't know what I was thinking. I, you know, again, it's like it's right. You, you and I are new. We have not had an argument yet. We will. Uh, and one of the I, things about this business I don't argue with anybody. is- People will speak candidly to each other, sure. right, with colorful words. And I, it's like he's getting up to leave the room, and I'm standing up. And like I, you know, he he very nicely said, "Glenn, <laughs> you don't want to be in my way." And he was he was correct. He could have bull rushed you but right he, out of the. He studio. was a great player, and he was a great. He was a great presence in the in the locker room. He, he really was. was the guy who kept everybody loose. He was a good leader. He was tough. He was. It was all that. That defense was something else. Uh, I mean, you listed the names talking with him. Yeah. You know, Hugh Douglas, Brian Dawkins, Troy Vincent, Bobby Taylor, Jeremiah Trotter. Yep. You know, other guys who cycled in and out who were solid players. Just, you know, it was a heck of a time to cover that And team. Jim Johnson coaching him. Yep. Yep. Uh, let's get Bob and Bethany Beach before the break. Hello, Bob. Hello, fellas. Hi, Bob. Hey, good to good to hear from you on a Saturday. Um, my my, I guess my overall comment about last night is I thought it was a wonderful start to the season. And I'll, I will say this, which is kind of my negative part of it. The fact that folks point out like one play for Jalen Hurts and, and then get a kind of not depressed, but a little paranoia about it just drives me crazy. <laughs> Well, Mike, uh, I think he's I'm not sure who's talking I think talking Bob to is there. talking about Bob me. Might be. Yeah, go ahead. Look, Bob, I, I don't want to make more of it than it is. I don't want to suggest that Jalen Hurts is a terrible quarterback or, you know, the Eagles are, are lost and they're going to have a disappointing season or anything like that. I, I do feel, though, and, and you can feel it in this show, people are very optimistic and very excited about this season. And. If we're going to hold the Eagles to that standard, that they are going to compete for the NFC East championship and could potentially make a deep playoff run, then you're going to have to get top-level play out of Jalen Hurts. 
And I just would have liked to have seen a different result on that play. So, by the way, I just want to say one more time that Hugh Douglas' uh, appearance was our uh, segment this week in Philadelphia Sports History, brought to you by Scheib Vintage Sports, where there's a story in every stitch. Check out their throwback apparel at their Center City location or ScheibSports.com. What I originally was going to do before we reached Hugh was, uh, actually, maybe I'll do this tomorrow, uh, but I'll just say that today is the anniversary of the night that they signed Mike Vick. Yes. And, like, nobody saw it coming. I remember exactly where I was. I was having dinner with my wife in Kennett Square, and my phone started buzzing. And I looked at it, and I said out loud, oh, my God. And she's like, what's what's the matter? This can't be true. The, the Eagles just signed Michael Vick. 215-592-9494. we got a couple of people on hold who want to talk about the Phillies. Don't go anywhere because I want to talk with you about the Phillies. Coming up before that is what we're watching. Ooh, Mike watched a big-time documentary. We'll get the details on that. Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.